This is Melissa Milner. Welcome to the Teacher Eyes Podcast. The goal of this weekly podcast is to help you explore your passions and learn from others in education and beyond to better your teaching. The Teacher Eyes will highlight uncommon parallels to teaching, as well as share practical ideas for the classroom. In this episode, I interview Whitney White. He was my theater professor at Salem State College. It's now Salem State University. So Whitney sat me down one day. I was struggling in his, I don't remember the exact name of the course, but I was struggling in his course where we had to do set design. We had to draw our vision of the set, and then we had to make a model of that set. And, you know, I went in for acting and I enjoyed doing backstage work, but I never saw myself as an artist as far as being able to draw and think of something in my head and get it on a piece of paper and have it look anything like the way I wanted it. So I expressed that to Wiz. And I remember we were on the main stage. I don't think anybody else was around at that point. We were either hanging lights or I don't know what we were doing, but he pulled over a stool to center stage and he placed a screwdriver on the stool and he said, draw this. And I was like, oh, I, I'm not going to be able to draw it. I, I don't I don't know how to do perspective. And he's like, just look at the screwdriver. Don't make it up. Just take a minute and look at the screwdriver and draw what you see. And I did it and it came out pretty decent. And my whole mindset changed. And I do wonder whether if I had had maybe in middle school or high school, an art teacher, if I'd reached out to that art teacher, would they have done the same for me? And would I have maybe been able to be practicing my drawing for all those years and be getting really good at it? So it was very much a growth mindset lesson for me. So I can't wait to share the amazing tornado that is Whitney White. Enjoy the interview. Welcome to the Teacher As Podcast, Professor Emeritus Whitney L. White, but we always knew you as Wiz. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Melissa. I'm happy to do this. I can't thank you enough for taking the time out to talk to me. Uh, what do you want the Teacher As listeners to know about you? Um, well, I think that it is probably most important for um, some of your um, listeners who may be teachers to know that um, I did have teacher training in college. And I think that uh, talking to my wife, who is also a teacher, uh, spent 25 years teaching sixth grade. Um, she said that, it, we, we, that although there are people that go right into college teaching without having done any teacher training, that the teacher training was um, still better than just figuring it out on your own as many people that go into college teaching from a profession or from some other area of life. They, they go into college teaching having never taught or thought about the pedagogy of teaching. So I did. I, uh, um, I was never going to be a teacher, but because I was in a, a small Catholic girls' school in the middle of Kansas, yes, <laughs> I was one of the first 16 men ever to set foot on the campus of Marymount College of Salina, Kansas. Wow. Um, 
yeah, how I got there, that's a whole other story. But anyway, um, when I got there, they one of the things that they did very well was they taught teachers. And so when the theater department was formed, which was actually the, the year I got there, they invented the theater department, um, they decided that they would be um, uh, training teachers as well as, you know, possibly practitioners of the theater. Wow. You started out, you wanted to do what in the theater? Did you want to, I know you were big on set design. And- no, I was an actor. I was an actor, and then uh, I, my mother uh, was a musical director, and when the summer I was 13 years old, I got shipped from New Jersey and all my friends up to the uh, campus of Bowdoin College in um, Brunswick, uh, Maine, where a friend of my mother's from New York City had a deal with the college that she had their theater building, um, which was wicked cool. It was this old... Um, I have a picture somewhere, but it, it's like an old uh, a piece of a castle sitting right in the middle of, of the property. I mean, it wasn't connected to any other building. Wow. <laughs> so, so we were like all by ourselves. And it was it, it was very, very, very cool. But what I ended up um, having happen was, although I did do all technical stuff, I was still... Uh, like every show, I would be running to the fly rail and uh, manipulating battens flying in and out for different scenes. And then after the after the scene change was over, I would adjust my someone would adjust my costume that I was wearing, and I would run out and stand in the back and sing because I have a, a pretty good singing voice. <laughs> As a matter of fact, my last thing in college was I played Tevia in Fiddler on the Roof. Oh my gosh. If I was a rich man. A diddle, diddle, diddle. <laughs> oh, Wiz, you are awesome. <laughs> so anyway, but but I have to say that even with the the teacher tra- the, uh, um, the education courses that I had to take, um, the the real way that I think that I got my methodology of teaching if 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 it's was that at all was probably from picking the things from my favorite teachers that got me to want to learn right because i think that's one of the biggest things that any teacher has as a duty and responsibility and that is you have to find a way to encourage your students to want this information yes now, now, if you're talking about what makes a great teacher, I mean, you know, there's all kinds of lists and, uh, um, and, but many of them have the same things. And, and number one, for me, you better have a deep knowledge and a passion for your subject. If you don't love the, the area that you want to communicate to someone else at a teacher student level, what are you doing? Right. Go, right. Go, do something else. And I realize some of you out there that are listening, you may be teaching things that you never thought that you would teach because you had an opportunity to teach and you took the job. And I certainly understand that. And that doesn't mean that you can't have that passion. It just means that maybe you didn't start with it. And knowing that it's important that you should go and take more classes about that. Let's say that you're a science teacher, but you get a, a, an opportunity to teach history in a, in a local high school. Well, what are you going to do? Turn it down? Job's a job, right? You know how to teach. 
I used to kid, I, I don't know if you ever heard me say this, but people would ask me about teaching and I'd say, well, you know, if you're really a good teacher, you can teach a course on anything. And if you wanted me to teach a course on nuclear physics, which I know very little about, I could do that for you, one 45-minute class, if you gave me a week. Right. So it would take me a week to immerse myself into that information so that I wasn't looking at, do you remember your worst teachers? Yes. Some of my worst teachers <laughs> were the teachers that had a book open on their desk. Exactly. And they were constantly referring to the book. And I would be like, well, wait, what, what, why don't I just read the book? Yep. You're not giving me anything more. And I think if you remember my classes, I was sort of famous for my more, which was usually in the form of stories about other shows and other theaters and other designers who had used the things that I was telling you to learn from the book in a way that I could then describe to you how you take that and you expand on it. I I don't know if you remember, but one of the things that I uh, start with um, in uh, uh, the basic uh, uh, lighting courses was uh, a thing that's called the McCandless theory. And what it is, is it's the duties and responsibilities of the scene designer or the lighting designer. And basically what he did was he wrote down some very basic things. So what I would say in my class was, I want you to memorize this. And the reason I want you to memorize this is for the same reason that if you were taking me for karate, I would have you memorize kata. Kata are like little dances that you memorize every movement and you repeat it over and over and over. The reason that you do that is so that when you get into a a battle, a, a, a test, you don't have to think about doing those things. And then you take them and make them your own. And that's what I was trying to do um, uh, as an upper level college professor. I was trying to give people the basics, get them to know them so well that when they got into a situation where they needed that information, they wouldn't have to think about it. And then when you don't have to think about it, then all of a sudden the creative part comes in. Yeah, that's beautifully said. At this point, I just want my listeners to just think for a second, like you hear the way Wiz talks, you hear his excitement and passion. You can understand why he was one of my favorite teachers of all time. (laughs) I I just, I can't thank you enough. So I have a few stories. Um, One was you did a little lighting design for a small little musical called Hair. Oh yeah, that was that was the little one. I believe it was <laughs> 450 units and we had to rent back then because we didn't have the, the lighting was not built into the theater. We had to rent six and a half miles of cable. Yes, and I was the light board operator. Oh my gosh, that's right. Yeah, and it was 300 plus cues. Yep. I'd never touched a light board before and your patience in teaching me and your confidence, you just kept saying, you got this, you got this. Like you're, you, you didn't learn that in college. You, you innately are a good teacher. So is there anything else you can tell the listeners that made you know and help me have a growth mindset? Like how did you know that I could do it? Or were you lying and you were hoping you were right? (laughs) Well, no, let let me tell you something that in my life, um, even up to that point, what I had learned about people was that people that are discouraged don't do well. People that are encouraged do well. Right. And I was an example of that. 
there were people that discouraged me from doing things. And I, I, I don't think you were there for um, my, uh, my ship set. You weren't there for final passages, right? No. Yeah, that was way before you. But we, we did a show um, with uh, the director, Tom Luddy, and um, it, it, was, it was a play that had an impossible scenographic environment. And for those of you that aren't in the theater, scenography is the study of all of the environment of the stage in which you put the actors to do their jobs with the words of the script. So if it was a show like Harvey, the, the, the old uh, uh, show about the, the drunk guy who, who thinks that his best friend is a six-foot rabbit, then you're talking about realistic interiors. But even a room in a house is not just a room on the stage. It has to be more than that because every movement of the actor has to reinforce, for me anyway, as a designer and for any director worth his or her salt, every movement is reflective of what's happening and what the meaning of that moment is. Yeah. And, and so, uh, so in terms of that, I had to design a set for a pretty impossible show, which basically takes place on the ocean <laughs> on two different vessels. Oh. There's a ghost ship, which is a ship that's filled with dead people. And the second ship in the play comes upon it and they try and solve the mystery of how everybody got dead. Because what they find is that everybody is obviously at a wedding ceremony on the main deck. They've been tied to things so that they won't get washed off the deck after they're dead. And, and somebody did this, but there's nobody left alive on the ship. Wow. The solution that I came up with was I hung 8,000 pounds of scenery from a single point off the, uh, at the, the top of the stage off the giant I-beams at the top of a, a theater building. And I made it move. It swung 360 degrees. It turned 360 degrees either direction. Um, and it, it, that it looked like the ship was moving all the time that the show was going on. Wow. So that's the kind of thing that I tried to do for my students. Now, you could say that I was a megalomaniac who got unlimited budgets and had free labor and I could do anything I wanted as an artist. But as you well knew, we didn't have an unlimited budget and I had very few skilled people that, that could do it uh, um, because I was teaching them how to do it as we were doing it. Right. That was one of my, um, uh, one of the things that uh, any uh, good teacher has to have is um, not only the high, uh, the, the strong work ethic, but you've got to be able to exemplify what it is that you want them to do. Now, a lot of times that's not easy because how do you exemplify being a mathematician if you're teaching a math class? Well, there are ways. It, it has to do with how you explain what it is that you want people to know. Um, one of the reasons that I, I was famous for my stories was that my feeling was that if I was telling you about how the color of light affected the color of cloth or scenic paint or something else, I can show you, and I, if you were 
there for that class. You, you remember that I, I actually had lights and gel and different colors of material, and I showed people what happened. And then I explained why it was happening. But the key was, how do you use this? What difference does it make for me in the theater? And I would explain things like uh, I had a, a show where I had five black actors and black actors look terrible in pink. And then the costume designer wanted this woman to come out in the middle of the show in this glorious pink dress. Well, if you're using amber shades to get the color to look correct in the black skin, then when the pink dress comes on, it looks horrible because there's, there's no pink light reflecting off of it into the audience's eyes. So what did I do? I got a little follow spot, had a, a, a wonderful student that was willing to sit up in the catwalks with the follow spot, and this follow spot in pink gel followed the dress around. Yeah. So you never saw it on the actor's face. You never saw it on anybody else. You never saw it on a piece of scenery, but that dress glowed pink in the middle of an amber world. A story like that then gets people thinking, well, oh, that's why we need to know this. And that's how I can use this if I ever have a situation, you know, or every, every time I'm looking at the relationship of physical color to light color. Right. So what I'm hearing is showing it, demonstrating, and then explaining why you need to know you know, you're doing. And in elementary, I know that it would be show and then maybe demonstrate, but then it, it would maybe be giving the kids flashlights and, do, you know, having the kids do. Because that's how I learned that light board was by you showing and then doing. That's the only way I learned it. Yeah. And, and it was very strange for me because typically, um, if you remember, uh, I use the position of lightboard operator as a teaching tool for my up and coming lighting designers. So before you could ever have a, a, a before you ever assisted me in a lighting design for a show, you would have to have been a lightboard operator on at least one show. Because if you don't understand how that light gets manipulated, then how do you know how to manipulate it? So, you know, it's things like that. It's, it's trees of building of learning. It's, uh, it's the way our system is really set up. Uh, you can't skip second grade math and then expect to excel in fourth grade math. You have to have gone back and filled that hole with those principles that allow you to understand the more complicated principles in the upper level area. So you're retired, obviously, but what are you zooming in on right now? Because I know you and I know you're not just sitting back. Zooming in. I, I have to tell you that I, when, you, when you do what I did as I did it, I, I spent most of my weekends, half of my nights, all my holidays because remember, a holiday for me meant I didn't have to teach and I didn't have to do anything with the college. And I could just go in and be a theater person for a weekend or a week if it was a, a week break. So, uh, you know, uh, much to my wife's chagrin, uh, she actually used to do funny things. She would, when my kids were real little, she would line them up at the door when she, when I'd call and I'd say, you know, I'm good, finally done. I'm going to come home. And she'd line them up at the door and I'd walk in and my, my daughter, who's a little older than my son, she'd look at my son and she'd go, who's that mommy? 
Oh. Oh. <laughs> yes, my wife is a kidder, just like me. <laughs> different, different kind of humor, but she's a kidder. <laughs> so um, uh, when you've done it the way I did it and you spend all that time, when you're done, you know, I'm kind of done. Good. I have had people ask me to come back and uh, do a scene design here or a lighting design there or something. And I go, well, who's going to do the work? And they're like, oh, we'll get people. We'll get people. I said, no, sorry. I've, I've been in the get people. I've been in the get people business. And I know that you don't just go out and get people. And if you're not hiring people to do it, then I'm going to end up doing it. And I'm done with that. Good for you. So what do you do? Do you read? Do you? I, oh, I, I'm a prodigious reader. I, uh, um, I, I, I have to admit to being something of an, of an old man because I just love reading Westerns. And I, and I think that the reason I do is because they're, they're simple. You know, I, I, some of them aren't. I mean, they're, they're complex Westerns, but right. most of them, there's a simple base. And I, and I like immersing myself. I, when I read, I try and be in the movie. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Yep. You know, I, I, I stop seeing words and I'm, and I, and I, the words become images in my mind. And that, that's really what I love. And after I, I was doing this for a couple of years, um, uh, after retirement, I, I was reading one book and I said, boy, you know, I could read it. I, I could write a better fight scene than that. So I went to the computer and I just took two characters that I invented in the same kind of scenario that the book had. And I wrote a fight scene and I read it to myself. And then I went back and I read the book and I went, damn, I'm good. <laughs> so, so I am writing. I, I have, I, I have uh, uh, 80 pages uh, of a Western written, and uh, I, I have no intention of selling it or having an editor come and telling me that I don't know what I, I'm doing. So I am definitely going to just post it when I'm done. That's awesome. You can self-publish. I don't. Yeah, but what for what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the only people I care about are my friends. I don't, I don't expect people that love Westerns to come flocking for some guy that, you know, my claim to fame in the West is my mother's from Kansas and I went to school in Kansas, which by the way, had nothing to do with each other. And you did the true West show. <laughs> oh yes. Well, of course I did true West. <laughs> well, you're keeping busy and using that brain of yours. I, I try. And, and like I told you uh, before we started, I, Facebook is my hobby. You know, people say, well, do you have a hobby? Yeah, I have Facebook as a hobby. Number one is my birthday gig where I have over 600 students, former students who have birthdays. Yes. And I, when they pop up, I have a, believe it or not, I have a special calendar that I keep track of like your next birthday you will not get any of the shows that I have given you before unless I run out of them. Like if I've given you six birthdays and you did, you have, you were in the program for six shows, I'll go back to number one again because yeah. that's the way it is. That's awesome. So last question for you, my friend, favorite movie and why? All right. I looked at this question and I thought about it and, and, I, and I tried to think, how do I say this in terms of education? I have a favorite movie. Oh, no, it doesn't have no, to be I in know, terms of education. No, I know it doesn't have to, but, <laughs> but your listeners are listening because they're educators, most of them. And so I want to make it a little bit pedagogical. So first of all, let me say, I have a favorite movie in every genre. 
I me too. I can't, <laughs> I can't say that Blade Runner is my favorite movie because Blade Runner is in my um, uh, what's it called punk um, uh, cyberpunk. Right. That's my favorite cyberpunk, e- even more than Matrix, which is another cyberpunk movie which I love. Yeah. But it. But to me, it's not as great as as Blade Runner number one. Um, and then, how do you dismiss Star Wars? Yeah. How do I say that Star Wars wasn't my favorite movie? But if I say Star Wars is my favorite movie, remember I started watching movies way before Star Wars, and so when I went to see 2001: A Space Odyssey, that was my Star Wars. Right. How do I ignore that? You know. So. I thought and I thought and I thought and then I thought, all right, let let me get a little bit pedagogical here and let me tell you about my first film study class in college. Somebody made a mistake at at, at Marymount College and hired this this uh, sort of hippie guy. He and his wife was taught art and he was in English and he loved cinema and and he taught me the difference between movies and film and he made me look at all films for more than just entertainment because I had never thought of a movie as anything but entertainment. Even though I was getting more, I wasn't thinking about it that way. So he showed us a movie um, and now you're going to have to go see this. I think you can find it for free on YouTube. It's called Woman in the Dunes. Okay. And it's a Japanese movie from the early 60s. And there's very little dialogue. All of it was sub, uh, subtitled, which that was another thing. I, I learned that subtitles are just as good as hearing the voices, um, sometimes better when the dubbing is terrible. Yep. Um, and, um, and, and, it was, and it was a story that had nothing was real. It was about this desert filled with giant 500-foot deep holes. And at the bottom of each hole was a little shack. And a man and a woman lived at the bottom of each hole. And what they did every day, all day, was the people up on top would would rope buckets down. They would fill the buckets with sand so that the hole didn't fill up. And you never knew why they had to do it. You never knew whether it was punishment. You never knew anything about it. It was all about the ideas and the and the, the imagery and the oh my god it just, it changed my life yeah it changed my life and it also changed my life about theater too because i had never really thought about and here's a here's a david george wiz white argument <laughs> did, Arist- did aristotle say that the purpose of theater is to entertain and to cheat teach which is what david george says yeah. or was it to teach and entertain and I am a teach and entertain guy after I saw that movie because I was totally entertained. I had to watch the thing 10 times. He had, he had rented it on 16 millimeter uh, movie film, by the way. Yeah. There was no tape back then. Right. Um, so um, I watched the thing uh, 10 or 15 times. I, I was just, it, it just, it was amazing to me that you could make my mind work the way my mind was working simply by visual images and music and, and, and words. I, it was, it was just amazing. So Women in the Dunes changed my life made everything uh, um, uh, a dualistic approach to the theater rather than um, were, you know, thinking about um, uh, just 
just making, you know, taking up two hours of people's time uh, so that they have a good time for two hours. Right. I wanted them to think. And if you think back to the, to, you, to your starring role as Agnes <laughs> and that fateful night when I, <laughs> when I first tried the stigmata effect. Oh, that was awesome. I still it can hear so- it. I still can hear it. You ready? Quick, 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 quick. That was the sound. And, and you were, but you were so perfect too, because you simply held your hands out. And even though the blood was squishing out like a Kurosawa samurai movie, where the blood just shoots, I mean, I think it hit the first row. <laughs> But, but luckily we were in tech. But but anyway, um, you just stood there and you you acted as if this was what was supposed to happen. <laughs> I'll never forget. Tom Luddy was laughing his butt off. <laughs> it was so funny. But but take that. I mean, I could have had a little tiny pl- piece of sponge inside your costume. You could have put your thumb on the sponge, touched the inside of your hands, and we would have seen a little spot of red. But I wanted people to believe that there was something to think about here. Yes, yes. And there's a difference between a spot of red and a drip of blood. Right. And, and, and to me, that, that is, uh, that's what that, that was all about. Thank you again, Wiz, for taking the time out to talk to me. And you are the best. Uh, well, you make my heart soar like a hawk. If you enjoyed this episode and have not done so already, please hit the subscribe button for the Teacher As podcast so you can get future episodes. I would love for you to leave a review and a rating as well if you have time. For my blog, transcripts of this episode, and links to any resources mentioned, visit my website at www.theteacheras.com. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Melissa B. Milner. And I hope you check out the Teacher As Facebook page for episode updates. I am sending a special thanks to Linda and Lester Fleischman, my mom and dad, for being so supportive. They are the voices you hear in the Zooming In soundbite. And my dad composed and performed the background music you are listening to right now. My intro music was Upbeat Party by Scott Holmes. So what are you Zooming In on? I would love to hear from you. My hope is that we all share what we are doing in the classroom in order to teach, remind, affirm, and inspire each other. Thanks for listening. And that's a wrap.